Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I know you are here wanting to change and rewrite your story. You are desiring to step into the impact that you know you were here to create. I am here to guide you with the proven tools and strategies used by myself and our speakers to support you in taking radical responsibility in your life and learning how to own your choices to change your story. My name is Marsha Van Weinsberg. I am a storytelling business coach, master NLP trainer, speaker, podcaster, and seven times published author. My clients have found freedom and purpose from overcoming their shame stories and learning how to share them with the world. I am so grateful you are here. Let's get started. Welcome back to the show. Today is a really special episode because I am having a second time conversation with David Wood. David was on the podcast probably about five to six months ago, and we just had such a real, honest, vulnerable conversation, and we knew that we wanted to have a second one. Now, at this point, David has released his book, and it is called Mouse in the Room. And we do go into parts of his book and the premise and how it can support you in your life. So in this episode, David is really sharing a deep, powerful, personal, vulnerable side to himself. And I love when we see guests do this. Um, I'm going to even say, especially when I love to see men do this, because I think that more and more we are seeing men open up vulnerably, share who they are, and they continue to give permission to others to do the same. David Wood is a former consulting actuary to Fortune 100 companies. He built the world's largest coaching business, becoming number one on Google for life coaching and coaching thousands of hours in 12 countries around the globe. As well as helping others, David is no stranger to overcoming challenges himself, having survived a full collapse of his paraglider and a fractured spine and witnessing the death of his sister at age seven. He helps business owners and leaders become the badass leaders people want to follow, creating more authenticity, connection, confidence, and revenue. And in this episode, we do get to see a little bit more of that personal side of David, which I love because again, this is what's relatable is when others can see us for who we are. We all experience a fear of loss, respect, yet we don't have a roadmap for how to move through these emotions to overcome them or how even to share them. David shares his roadmap his journey that led him to the premise for his book called Mouse in the Room. And he also shares how we can learn to become more clear on our past and decide if this is a mouse worth naming, which will make sense when you listen to the episode, then learn how to disarm the mouse and share in our own way. This is really such a transparent, beautiful, honest conversation. And I'm so grateful that I get to share this with you. Perfect. All right. Yeah, I'm ready when you are. Okay. So welcome back to the show today, David. I am thrilled to have you. I am. And I don't do this too often. I don't. So I'm thrilled to have this conversation again with you. Well, I want to share impact. I notice um, I'm having a state change in my body. I told you before we hit record, I've been having a rough time. And I like to try and be honest about that instead of lying, as we often do. And, um, you know, like, how are you? I'm fine. When you're not fine, right? So I will model by saying I haven't been fine. But you saying that, like, I'm thrilled to have you back on the show, and I don't normally do that. I notice um, a real uplift. Mm. And um, I can't describe all the sensations in my head, but my head feels better. My body feels better. So thank you for saying that. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. I want to say thank you for being honest in saying that you're, you've been going through something right now. I think that the words I'm fine are actually some of the scariest words in our language mm-hmm. because it's like a mask, right? I'm fine. Like it's, it's like, I'm fine. Please move on. Don't spend any yeah. more time and attention. Yeah. Look, I'm glad we're talking about this. Um mm-hmm. You know, I, I'll say it now because we'll probably reference it, that I wrote a book called Mouse in the Room, mm-hmm. which is about addressing not just the elephant, 
in the room, which everyone can see. But what about things that maybe only you can see? Maybe you're you're just trying to discover, like how you're feeling. That's a mouse. Mm-hmm. And I was at acting class last night and I made myself go because I thought, you know, I don't want to just mope and watch television. I'm not feeling good in my body or my head, but I might as well be around people. Mm-hmm. So I went out there and and yeah, two or three people said, how you doing? And, you know, I realized one of the reasons we say fine is because we may not know if they're open to hearing the truth. So that's fair. Very fair. That's fair. And uh, one guy said it, he said, how are you? And I, I paused for a second. I said, rough. And he was very compassionate and mm-hmm. it kind of surprised me because you know it's not really my tribe in this acting class. They, I don't think they've done a lot of personal growth, a lot of you know, mm-hmm. much younger people. And he said, I'm sorry to hear it. If I can ever help in any, if I can be an ear, if I can uh, do something else to help you, uh, please let me know. And I, it wasn't something I wanted at that time, but now I'm thinking, what a, what a lovely offer. Someone else said, how are you doing? And I said, I've seen better. And he was in the middle of watching something on his phone. So it just glossed over. So, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. All right. That's fine. But I was tell, I said the truth. Um, and then someone else said it. I did lie to somebody. And I now I'm now regretting that because he's a, a good man and I and I I lied and then someone else I told the truth and she she just walked down the stairs and said talk to me oh wow what's going on mm-hmm. and I did not want to share the details and she said it's totally fine if you don't want to share the details and she was so empathetic turns out she's a psychologist and a performance coach mm-hmm. didn't know that so. I guess the the point that I'm coming to, and I didn't intend to arrive here, but I'm realizing when you tell the truth about your experience, it gives the universe a chance to respond appropriately. That is so good. That is so good. When you tell the truth about your experience, it gives the universe a chance to respond. Yeah. I'm going to write that down. You should write that down. Uh, I like how that (laughs) came out. (laughs) (laughs) You should write that down and you should timestamp it. Um, Yeah, that is, that is really good because I think that we're, there's so many, like, listen, even people, if you are looking at someone, you think, oh my God, they've got all their shit together. They've got it all. It looks, I can guarantee you everybody has days and periods in their life that they're navigating and sometimes we don't even know how to put it into words. It's it's like sometimes it, there maybe something didn't even go wrong. It's just like, I don't know how to navigate this time or I don't really like how I'm feeling right now. And I do no. think that we have to find that safe space because not everybody is going to be the safe space for us. That's right. And it's not appropriate in every situation. No. Um you know, you know, what's, how you're doing? Oh, my mom's dying of cancer. They may, they may not have anticipated that because how you're doing is usually a social construct. It's, um, mm-hmm. it's just like, hello. Mm-hmm. And that's how it's used. And I try not to do it. I had a teacher, I think 15 years ago, 20 years ago, he said, don't do it. Don't say you're fine. And when you ask someone, ask them, and be there for the answer, practice it at the checkout counter. And I thought that was good advice. Mm -hmm. I think if you, I think I I completely agree. And I think that if you don't have any intentions of listening to the answer, don't ask the question. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, just don't ask it. Don't ask it. Hello. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's it. Um, If you, if you are present and listening, you never know what, what you'll hear or what you might be able to do for someone else. Um, I look, I can understand it because I'm there's something in me that says, don't share with the world when things are bad. Mm-hmm. When things are good, oh yeah, I just got this new acting gig or I got this audition or they, they want me to do this short film or I just got this a client earning a hundred million dollars. Like, yeah, love sharing that stuff. But when it's something that may not have us look good, and I'll speak for myself, may not have me look good, 
Mm-hmm. There's something that says, oh, yeah, maybe don't don't share that. They, you know, they might think badly of you. And my God, I looked into the. I'm a big Byron Katie fan. Oh yeah. And um, you know, I got some feedback this this last week that was painful to hear. Someone was upset with me, and I had no clue. And so I I missed signals. Uh, they also didn't speak up, but I I must have missed the person. And I hate that. I hate being the clueless guy. I hate being the the guy that um, that had someone feel uncomfortable. So that was really lousy. And I was so worried about. I think I was worried about the impact that I had, but also some self preservation about worried about like identity management. They call it these days on social media. Worried about people thinking badly of me, especially if it wasn't true, especially if they had the had a worse version than what it was and it was misrepresented, then I'm like, oh, oh, no, no. There's something primal inside saying that's not okay. So I did the Byron Katie work on it's bad if people think badly of you. Mm-hmm. Now, wouldn't you think that that's an obvious statement? Like, of course that's true. It's bad for people to think badly of you. Um especially if they're wrong. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like that, it seems obvious, but I, I went into it and got some insights and Byron Katie has this great, she's got so many quotes and I quote her all the time, but one quote is, if I had one prayer, it would be this, God spare me the need for appreciation and approval. Can you imagine the impact and how far that would reach if we could all adopt that quote more? Because, yeah. yeah. I can't. Yeah. I think that that's, I think that even if somebody is listening, they're like, oh, I don't do that. I I don't, we all do it on some level. We all do it. And some days we do it far more than others. It, it's unconscious. Mm-hmm. And, and we're just trying to get people to like us. Mm-hmm. And we we learned it as kids. Like if you did the wrong thing, you know, puppies, you know, a puppy, <clears throat> this is going to press some buttons with some listeners, but a puppy knows exactly what to do to get a, attention and love and food. Mm-hmm. Now, if, I, if I just look at my puppy and just stare for say 10 seconds, she will start to to try and guess what I want. Mm-hmm. You know, she might end up rolling over. She might, particularly if there's food around, she <laughs> she she knows what to do. I really think we're more like animals than we would like to believe, and that we're we're constantly trying to manipulate, not not in a malicious way, but mm-hmm. to get someone to like us and to at a party and to, to be to be interesting. And when there's someone who does not, I'll speak for myself. Someone who does not like me, mm-hmm. that sometimes, not always, sometimes I'm like, all right, wow, that that guy can't get away from me fast enough at acting class. I don't know what it, what his deal is, but it's kind of interesting. But other times it's painful for me. I got abandonment stuff in my mm-hmm. in my past. Mm-hmm. So there's what how much are we doing that's unconscious to try and get approval and appreciation? And I got a glimpse this last week, the effort. The looping in my head and and the thinking and the effort that goes into trying to change someone's mind or have someone think better of me or correct the version of events, because I don't believe that that was actually accurate. There's some stuff I can own. There's some stuff I can do better, but it doesn't seem like it was bad as that. The amount of time, and one of my coaches said, said to me this amazing line, which I think I'm going to have to sit with and sit with and sit with. He said, let them think what they wish. Mm-hmm. Let them think what they wish. Yeah. Is it going to be of service to the world to correct them? And that was that was like, wow, maybe it's a service to the world to not correct them and just say, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard when people think things or say things to you that, and you, you, you sit there and go, but that, I know that's not who I am. I don't even understand how that's how they're taking it. Yes. Right. I, you I don't, don't feel seen. Understand. 
Yeah, FLC. no, it's like, yeah. that's not me. But I do believe, I think because I've spent so many years talking about vulnerable stories and difficult stories, I get some pretty nasty messages. I get some, I've even shown my husband a few times and he's like, wow, like just, I get some really nasty messages. And I've had mentors like for a while that would be like, okay, go back inside. Let's just stay away because that stings, right? Nobody wants to have it sting. It doesn't feel good. Right. And then I often look at it and my, one of my earlier mentors said to me that when you're here talking about things that people aren't comfortable about, they don't want to talk about, they don't want to hear about, sometimes um, you're going to get people who are going to show up and show you versions that you like, you're not ready to see yet. But the more you hear people come and speak up, especially when, and I'm just speaking myself, but when I'm speaking on things that are difficult, difficult topics, vulnerable topics, that when people do that, can you meet it with, okay, there's someone else that my, like there's, there's another person, there's another person. Don't give it so much meaning that it's like, I should stop what I'm doing because that's offending this person. Because for every critic we have, I, and I believe this wholeheartedly for every critic we face, there's like 10 cheerleaders behind us. Like the critics are always there. They don't go away, but the cheerleaders, they sit back sometimes and they can watch for a really long time. And all of a sudden they show up and your work has been supporting them. So we get to decide, do we stop because of the one critic or do we keep going because we have more and more work that we want to do here? I hope. I hope I respond to this well, because I think this is very important and I want to agree with you and double down. And I want to, I want to take us to what I think could be another level. Mm -hmm. And I, and I'm still exploring this and I, I've been coaching for 20 something years and and the universe has given me a real nudge Mm -hmm. um, here to, to look deeper so yeah, when when we get feedback, we take it personally and we collapse mm-hmm. on it. Um, that doesn't seem like it really serves anybody. That's um, I am not a psychologist, but I believe that's the ego. Um, I agree. That's the ego just going, oh, you're bad and wrong, and jumping on board with the other people. Mm-hmm. Okay, if if there was any blaming or shaming, and there there may not have been. Sometimes people are just telling you that didn't work for me, and this is the impact it had, and you 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 take it as things. We take it personally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my my friend said to me, the friend that gave me the feedback said to me yesterday, he said he could tell that I was I was having a rough time, and he said, "Well, don't go tubing it, tubing it too hard." I never heard that expression, but I, I think I, I think it's like a wave when you get in the tube, I assume. He said, don't go tubing it too hard, and t- you know, or you can torture yourself about it. Uh, you know, he said you can, you can learn from it and move on, or you can torture yourself about it. You know, I don't care. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, God, could it, be as, could it be as simple as that, that, hey, you've got to learn this, you've got to change this person didn't have a good response, learn from a move on. What if it was that simple? Mm-hmm. God, and I, ne- I nearly called you Jackie. I can't believe <laughs> I can't just look at you. I nearly called you Jackie. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it. Um, <laughs> um, could it be as simple as, as that? Um, so yeah, if you're beating yourself up, that's the ego, I believe doing that we don't want that and yeah maybe you don't try not to take it too personally and say well okay that's that person's opinion i'm going to move on but here's what i think is the other level for the spiritual warriors for the people who have spiritual growth as their orientation and their guiding light mm-hmm. and they actually want to learn they want to try and go beyond the ego, which I, maybe I have moments of it, but I don't, I don't think I've ascended by any, by any sense. Um, I had a teacher once that said, whatever feedback people have, it's often clouded by their own stuff and their own neuroses and their own projection, but look for the gold, mine for the gold and what they've told you. And the thing that I got clear on this week is while I'm defending I can't be looking. 
No. Ooh, that's really good. I you can't look for gold if you're too busy defending. Yeah. Well, I'm defending. Position. Yeah. Another way of saying it while you're talking, you can't be listening. And so there's something in me that was so strong, like, that's not fair. That's not who I am. And yet there is something for me to learn. There is, you know, because it's not being one person. So when there's, when it's more than one person, you really got to start to take a look and go, hang on, is there a blind spot here? What can I find? And I can't do both. Mm-hmm. I can't look. And, and there may come a time when you need to speak up and be in your dignity. But if you doing it automatically, it's probably defense and it's just the ego trying to bolster it. And another way of saying this, I had the chance to be on a call with a, a, a guru, a spiritual master recently. And he said, uh, when you get the feedback, it's often in a package that you would not prefer. And I said, yes, I can relate to that. That is so and true. He I've said, heard that one. <laughs> And he said, but if it did come in the package that you prefer, it wouldn't help you as much. In fact, the opposite is true because that would bolster your ego <laughs> or bolster your, your identity, how you see yourself and reinforce that, which is nice if it's a positive image. Mm-hmm. But if it comes in a package you would not prefer and it stings and it hurts, then maybe something else can happen. Maybe, in fact, someone you know, said to me, you know, what if you let them think what they think and try the non-defense approach? And I just think it's an amazing concept. I've got a friend who did it. He got attacked in the media and mm. he's he is maybe the most amazing human I've ever met. And he got attacked for something um, that he that he did um, like eight, 10, 11 years ago, uh, I'm just thinking, am I going to say what it was? Can I, can I say what it was? Um, yeah, it's public, it's public knowledge. Um, he, he's in, he's in the sex positive industry. So yeah. sex and sex and relationship coaching and, um, anything to do with sexuality in a positive light. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in that industry and he was colleagues with a porn star mm-hmm. and she uh, gave an interview to a blog saying that she felt pressured uh, 10 years ago to uh, to do a sexual act mm-hmm. uh, and she felt some pressure and he teaches consent. Yeah. So people came out of the woodwork, people, I think imagine people that hadn't met him and didn't know him and just kicked him. And uh, it was so hard to watch. And I think I can kind of understand a little bit, like maybe that's what society needed to just mm-hmm. vent. Um, and with the, you know, me, the me too movement, there's, yeah. uh, there was a lot of, lot of understandably a lot of anger. And I think it came out on him and he did not defend himself or explain himself publicly once. Wow. And I, it was hard for me. It was hard for a lot of people who knew him. And they wanted, we wanted him to speak up. We wanted to stand up for him and say, if you knew this man and how much he wants to grow and be better and learn, you wouldn't kick him. You would teach him. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I always thought that's so weird, but now I'm seeing how he, this is my viewpoint of it now, he put the community and society ahead of his own status and reputation. Mm-hmm. He said, it's not, it's not going to serve, you know, to argue and fight and win. Mm-hmm. And this isn't going to serve. That's my viewpoint of what happened. And I just think that's it's so amazing to go beyond our own need for defense and status and reputation. And there's a podcast he sent me and I want to listen, listen to it to try and, you know, get more of that, more of the Byron Katie. What if, Mm -hmm. what if I did not need from anybody 
appreciation and approval? What if I was the only person I needed that from and I could give that to myself? Isn't that a wonderful, wonderful prayer? It's a wonderful prayer. I thank you for sharing that. And that was going to be my question is what if, what if that is enough? What if that does fill you up? What if you are in the space of not needing that approval from anyone else? And whenever you ask the what if questions, you open up your subconscious mind. Now you see possibilities, right? Instead of the why questions of why do people do these things or why are they speaking this way? Don't they know me? And wanting to put the energy into um, helping them to see differently, as you said, you're deflecting out and that is not a good use of your energy. But when we shift it into a what if, like what if these people were meant to cross your path for a reason? What if they were meant to help you strengthen your own inner, like own inner belief, your own inner knowing? And start playing the what if questions. When I get myself stuck in a rut, I literally get a pen and paper, or I even say it out loud, and I do the what if questions. And the what I if love it. it's, it's having impact on my body. As soon as you said it, what if I imagined it? Mm-hmm. And I feel peaceful and content in my body, like there's nothing I have to fix. There, there is nothing I have to do in that place. So that's a beautiful, yeah, beautiful question. It, I honestly, I encourage it for anybody who's listening, it really does make a difference. And I've been in different spaces where I have received a lot of criticism. Like when I wrote my book in 2017, I often think back, like when I have moments of doubt, I'm going to share with you if that's okay, because you opened up when I have moments of doubt, I stop and which happened all the time. Let's be real. Um, When that happened, sometimes I stop and go looking for evidence of where did that show up before? How did I show up? what do I have as proof, right? Like, cause I can sit there and play in my head all the time, but that's going to just not give me, that's not proof. That's just my mind being afraid or the doubt is taking over. And when I look back, I can think, okay, when I decided to write my book and share my own story, there's no one who thought that was a good idea. Like I, I was completely by family saying that's insane. You're absolutely insane for doing that. We don't talk about our personal side of life. And I always kept saying, but I feel like I'm supposed to, and maybe that's why we are where we are because we are constantly in the space of not talking about difficult things because we're not making it okay to do so. And I often think when I feel doubt now, I think, you know, somehow I still stayed the course five years ago when no one else believed that it was a good idea. And I would not be doing any of the work that I get to do today had I not made those steps then. So we're not meant to see the whole picture. We're not meant Mm -hmm. to make it all make sense, even though we want to, like we're all in this space. And we're actually not here to fix, manage, control, change anyone else's thinking. We're here to lead ourselves and so much so I have found the less I say, the more I be, the more I do my my thing, because I know my intentions are always pure. They are. And so I know they're pure. So the more I stay in that lane and the more I own that, our behaviors can have impact far beyond our words ever will. I I'm I'm picking up what you're throwing down. Perfect. I like it. You know, um, and quotes just keep coming to me as you as you're speaking. Um there was a there was a teacher who once said to someone who was beating up on themselves, he said, I don't I don't think you deliberately chose the worst decision. You didn't go, this is decision A, this is the best one, this is decision B, this is decision C. I'm gonna choose decision C. Mm-hmm. You didn't do that. It was great. And um a friend of mine used to say, you know, can you find the other person's innocence mm-hmm. and can you find your own innocence? And Katie talks about three different types of business, your business, other people's business, and God's business, mm-hmm. being the God of your understanding, whatever mm-hmm. that is. For her, she says reality is her God. And I think reality is my God as well. Uh, or at least I want it to be. Hmm. And and um, she always says, whose business are you in when you're believing that thought? So when I'm when I'm believing it's bad for people to think badly about me, 
Mm-hmm. Well, whose business am I in? Well, I'm in their business. Not in your own. I, yeah, I could find that. Okay, I could call it my business because you know it's going to impact my my status, my reputation, and this and that. And what I I could say that, but I'm hugely in their business. I got enough to deal with about what I think, yeah. and yet I want to police what they think. And then, yes, if you do have a spiritual bone in your body, really, is any of it our business? And and she says, eventually, you realize it's all God's business. Mm-hmm. It's none of ours at all, mm-hmm. and which brings us to what I think most of the teachers that I've ever listened to point to, which is surrender, the great teachers. It's all about surrender. It doesn't mean you can't till the soil, um, you know, trust in God, but tie your camel. Like That's fine, but, but surrendering, okay, let's see what is supposed to happen purely, if only for peace. Mm-hmm. If right. only for peace, like your peace. I think this is this. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, your peace. You're yeah. in your internal peace. You know, I never cared about peace for years until I was like forty something. Didn't care about it. it. wasn't a goal of mine. I wanted to be a paraglider pilot and be in a movie. I still do. Um, I wanted to, you know, do cool things and uh, you know, write a book and be on stage. And these are the things that that mattered inner peace was not a goal until I suffered enough. Mm. I had to suffer enough. And then once I really felt like I'd hit rock bottom, I was interested in peace just for the sake of peace. Peace just for the sake of peace. I wonder if it was never even a goal too, because um, it's not something you had. So it's not like it, it wasn't something you were expecting to find because it wasn't something that you had. You'd found your way to navigate through so many different challenges that all of a sudden you said you hit your bottom and it was like, this is, I don't want to do it like this anymore. I think there comes a, no, it's, there comes a time when we have to all stand in a space of going like, is this working? Like, is this actually working? And I mean, I say it in love, but there are, I've had moments where I'm like, okay, Marsha, you're the common denominator that have been to all of these situations. You can choose to do this differently. I think it's really important to have awareness without shame, like awareness without, without criticism, because that doesn't change anything, but awareness and compassion and recognizing, like consciously recognizing that, okay, I've actually looked at it this way over and over. It's not serving me. It's not, it's not serving me. How can I make a different choice? I've been joking online that like I, in some of my stories and podcasts is is that we all struggle with our thoughts. I think that that's a very real, real reality. We all struggle with our thoughts. The best way to create change though, is to become like a master pattern interrupter a ninja at like catching the thought that's not serving you mm. and choosing th- something different, like, and immediately without attaching meaning to it, it's like, Ooh, whoa, how did I fall down that path again? <laughs> Here we go. Let's choose something differently. And I I've said that very openly because people have said to me multiple times, well, you're so strong. That's easy for you. And I'm like, Oh, if you could hear the conversation going on in this head up here, <laughs> I am literally consciously choosing my thoughts all day long. When the ones come up that don't serve me, it's like, nope, nope, pattern, pattern, change the pattern. What am I doing here? So I just wanted to share that piece because I think that it it's recognizing that we all have those thoughts that don't serve us and how can we choose something differently? Like how do we show up and lead ourselves when we're in these moments? Our thoughts drive, for, for, for most of us, drive everything. Everything. They really do actually. And we believe them. Like we believe them. This is the thing that I actually just talked about this today. Like, don't believe every thought you have. The mind is not safe territory. You can can get mugged there. (laughs) It's just not safe. It's not safe. It's It's not. not. Um, Yeah. Marianne Williamson said the ego is vicious at worst and suspicious at best. Mm Mm-hmm. That's that's the ego. And Katie, to quote Katie again, she's coming up a lot today. She um she had this flash of insight when a cockroach walked over her foot that when she believed her thoughts, she was miserable. And when she didn't, she was at peace. Mm-hmm. And 
it's been so present for me this last week because I've been in the head looping a lot and I could feel the difference in my body mm-hmm. as I'm thinking I have to have to justify or defend or explain and how am I going to do it? How am I going to say it? What's the best way to say it? I get cold a little bit and the body tenses up and it feels lousy. And I got to this non-defense idea. I'm like, and I had peace. And then a friend of mine heard the story and she was angry for me. She's like, Mm -hmm. that's outrageous. What did you do that was wrong? And I went, I could feel it in my body. Mm -hmm. It went back. So Though sometimes the body, you have an emotion or physical sensation and the mind wants to mirror it. Mm -hmm. This is my understanding of how it works. The mind wants to mirror it so it'll bring thoughts to maybe match that, maybe sad thoughts, maybe angry thoughts, maybe happy thoughts, maybe sexual thoughts, whatever. The opposite is true. You have a thought and the emotions and the body follow along with that. And then the mind wants to match that and the body, and now you're in in a loop and it's horrendous. So yeah, how do you get out Mm -hmm. of that? Well, we have teachers like Byron Katie and Marsha Mm -hmm. and we've got uh, Eckhart Tolle, Mm -hmm. which is about stepping out of the incessant thinking to see what else is there without the mind constantly controlling it. Now the mind... It's like if you've got this habit your entire life of thinking, again, I'll speak for myself, uh, my mind's an amazing tool. It's a brilliant machine, and I rely on it a lot, and sometimes it mugs me mm-hmm. consistently. And being able to step out, which could be could be your yoga practice, which has you focus more on the body. It could be a, a walking meditation. It could be... a washing the dishes meditation. Mm-hmm. It could be all sorts of meditations, I think, are designed specifically to put attention on something else and drain energy from the thinking, if only for peace. It might be that might be your entire goal, just to have some peace and and have a break. I remember laying down for meditation and saying, oh please, God, I just want a break from the mind. And it took it took to get to age 54 to have that thought just just for 20 minutes if i could have a break from the mind it would be such such a gift but i think many people don't even know that that's a thing or that that's possible or don't know that the mind is what is causing the suffering Mm-mm. we yeah. think and this is an illusion and this is maybe one of the worst myths perpetuated in in the world is we think it's the external circumstances that give us our experience. Mm-hmm. If I had more money, if I had this gig, if I had this partner, if I was thinner, if I was younger, if I was more attractive or whatever, I would be happy. I don't believe that's true anymore. Mm-hmm. And I still go for those things. Same. But I don't but getting younger is not easy. But I don't I don't believe anymore that that's what's actually going to have me happy. I And, and particularly when I'm unhappy and I, I'm working, <clears throat> I bring this to my clients. I don't always bring this to them straight away because not everyone's ready to hear that the mind is what's causing all the pain. But when they're in enough pain or we've tried some other coaching techniques and whatever they're believing is really sticky mm-hmm. and they're still suffering from it, like I'm, I'm not doing enough or I keep procrastinating too much or I heard, I'm I'm just talking about what I heard yesterday in coaching sessions because I'm listening for it. I should have been more successful by now. This company should be profitable. I should be able to do this on my own. I shouldn't need a loan. My God, boom, boom, boom. And so when they're ready, I, I introduced the work of Byron Katie, which is a way to hack into the thoughts. If what you said works, oh, you catch it. Oh, I'm thinking about that well that's no that's no fun i'm going to redirect it in a positive direction wonderful mm-hmm. that's amazing for many people i think they'll they'll find that the mind could be too strong and uh it is so hung up on no must go down this direction it's not easy just like when you say i'm not going to think while i meditate <laughs> so i like the work of byron katie and you can find it listeners at the work.com 
I, I don't get a toaster. I don't get commission. I, it's, it's just has changed my life and, and has really helped a lot of my clients. Um, it's a 10 minute process that lets you go in with a flashlight and examine a belief and find out if it's actually true. That's the whole aim of it. It's just find out if it's actually true. I don't know if I've found a thought in 10 years of doing the work that I can absolutely say is true. So there's proof that we can't always trust our thoughts. Our thoughts are not, God, no, they're not the indicator of what our success is going to be. Most of the time, I think it's actually 90% of the time, our thoughts are focused on our emotions will drive our thoughts and that lives in our body. And that comes from past experiences. So we're either continually projecting the past forward or we're focusing, like it's our conscious thoughts. We have to consciously choose what we're moving and working towards. And this is like, this is not easy when we are just even saying this, when I say choose another thought, it's not, it's not easy. I certainly don't ever want to come across that way. Um, I can say it's been conscious work on my thoughts and recognizing how, how can I be a better cheerleader and support person to myself? Because Tam, I'll tell you, there's no one who can cut me down faster than myself. No one. Right. Well, you are the only person that you will actually listen to. Mm -hmm. So even if I tell you, if I tell you you're a wonderful person, if you're believing you're not, then that's just going to probably create a distance between us because you don't actually believe it. Mm -hmm. Now, if I tell you you're a bad person and you're already believing that, you're going to take a down ride because I've just confirmed what you've got. So yeah, I, I absolutely believe. I'm not sure that the world exists. I live like it does, but I'm not sure that the world exists or that you exist or that I exist. Mm-hmm. And and I everything goes through the mind, right? My perceptions, I whatever my my eyes are telling me about you. So, you know, you're a projection of of me. And then I'll imagine, oh, she's a good person and she's this kind of person and she's that kind of person. And then you do something in relationship that doesn't match that. And I feel betrayed and violated. Oh, right. Yeah. But I had, I thought I knew you. Mm-hmm. No, I think everything comes through the mind. So I, the ma- movie, the matrix is one of the most amazing movies ever mm-hmm. made mm-hmm. because I believe we're all living in our own matrix and that's fine. But when something isn't working, uh, and we're unhappy, let's investigate the matrix with something like the work or redirecting the thoughts. Um, and there was another piece of what you said. Oh, yeah. I am the only person that can believe that I am a good person. I'm the only person that can believe that. I can hear it from 10 other people. But if I don't actually buy into that, it's mm-hmm. not going to help. And same as if 10 other people say you're bad. I can buy into that, but what do I believe, right? That's their business. Mm-hmm. What do I believe? And so Katie's always like, uh, like, oh, I wish that person would see me. Do you see you? I wish that person would acknowledge me for all the work I did. Mm-hmm. Have you acknowledged you? I wish that person would apologize. Have you apologized? And this is where the work is so brilliant because it has you do all and flip it around. You have to keep flipping it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, you know, it's bad for people to think badly about me. It's bad for me to think badly about me. Can I find evidence for that? Yeah. It's bad for me to think badly about others. Yeah, that hurts me. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's ninja, ninja, it's ninja. Um, I dove into Byron Katie's work a number of years ago, and I found it very helpful when it, when I was in this space, before I shared my story in my book, um, we received a lot of criticism and there was a lot of, there was a lot of judgments. Like we were dealing with teen substance abuse. Lots of people had opinions about what we should or should not be doing. Nobody was volunteering to come and live my life for me, but they just wanted to give that from the outside in. They wanted to give those opinions. And it, like I said, there was that moment where it was like, there's no one who could judge me more than I can judge myself. Like I've, I've already said all these words to myself. So then right. why am I putting so much emphasis on someone else's words? 
if I'm already doing that to myself, like I don't need others to do it because I could do it to myself. So why am I doing that? And why am I even surrounding myself around people who would do that? So that became the piece of helping me to shift my own words and thoughts and also not putting so much stock into someone else's opinion because I have a little bit of a criteria and I've been, I've received criticism. So I, I like, I don't know your whole position where you've been right now, but I can say I have received multiple. This is the checklist I go through. Like, <laughs> would I invite this person to my house? Would I have dinner with them? Would I have a conversation with them? Like, do I respect who they are? That's kind of one thing. And then the other piece is like, have I ever said those words to myself? I have. So why am I, why am I giving so much energy to a person who doesn't agree with the path that I am on? Because, and, and that allows me to shift it because I think we're always that mirror, right? We're always this mirror. We hear those words and we decide how much emphasis we let that play in our life. I don't want someone else's words to affect how you show up, how you lead yourself, how you live, because maybe that person's words are just a mirror to help you through language that has been, maybe it's deep subconscious, maybe it's there, maybe it's not, but I don't want it to stop you from living the life you're meant to live. Because when I, this is where the ripple comes in. When you stop, now the people that you're meant to impact and help they don't get that. And that blocks the ripple all because of this person back here that you wouldn't invite to your house. You wouldn't even have dinner with, you wouldn't have a conversation like that. We give it so much power when, when really truthfully, they're not our people and that's okay. Let me double click on some of these things. This is awesome. Um, so I love that about, we say it to ourselves. (laughs) Um, you know, when, when Katie got up on stage once, she said, look, could somebody insult me? Is anyone willing to insult me? And, you know, we sat there for a minute or two because no one wanted to do it. And one guy stood up. He went to town. He was like, you know, you're overweight. You're huge. You're, you know, your clothes look like you're wearing a tent. Oh. Your, your shoes are the color of a Band-Aid. Well, you, Katie was laughing so hard. We were all laughing so hard. But what she did is she took every piece of feedback and she looked for where she could find the truth of it. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, my shoes are the color of a Band-Aid. You're overweight. You know, sometimes I think that too. So I could see how you could think that. I was just ninja, the non-defense approach. Um, And then then I made some notes as you were talking. And you're right. We are saying it to ourselves. That's the key. Mm-hmm. There's a term that you might really like, Marsha, because it takes advantage of this fact and has us discover this fact. It's called a hex, not in the witchcraft sense, but Dr. Vic Baronco, who created something called the Morehouse, coined this term of a hex. And a hex is when you already have a negative viewpoint on yourself and someone gives you reality on that. Yes. So you're already feeling like maybe you're not a good person and someone says a word that seems like that, or you're feeling overweight and someone says, you're going to wear that dress. Mm -hmm. That's a hex. And what I love about the term is when you realize you're hexed, you can take ownership. You can realize they said something, but I already had the belief. Mm -hmm. And so I took a downright. And once you know that, it's easier to come back out. Oh, I'm believing that about myself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've been hexed to the max this week because I must have had some self-doubt about did I do it right or wrong. And I'm realizing the name of this podcast is Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't take it too personally. Have a look, mind for the gold in what they've said. And if it is someone you respect, or even if not, is there something you can learn from that? And then what is your choice? Mm-hmm. I was tempted to just go with whatever this person was saying because I respect them so much and just say, you're right. Okay, I'm sorry. And leave it at that. And I love the non-defense approach. Mm-hmm. And there was some pieces in me that didn't agree. And so I asked for consent to have a conversation. And we did. But we do not agree. 
at the moment. I'm still looking. Mm-hmm. I'm still looking. Maybe, maybe there's something to what he says. I mean, as far as you know, I've I've got evidence over here and I've checked with experts, and it's like, yeah, no, that's that's not wrong. Mm-hmm. But someone I respect says that's not a good move. And so I, I gotta really look at that. And um at the end of the day, we have to choose mm-hmm. what we're going to do. And it's quite possible that my choice, because it's what I believe, could have just cost me $200,000. It's quite possible that my belief and my choice and my saying, yeah, I don't, I'm not on board yet with that could have, could have had that cost. And that's been really hard. But now that I'm talking to you about the title, own your choices, own your life, I feel better about it. It doesn't make me right. It no, doesn't make me right. I'm still right. looking. Yeah, but I'm I'm just saying I'm still looking. Yeah. Because if someone this smart is telling me you're absolutely wrong, then I I, I my respect is so great mm-hmm. that I need to keep looking. And I know there's something for me to discover here. So there is is that. I guess I'm saying five different things at once. And I'm hoping this is I hope we have some spiritual geeks and some self-help geeks on here because we're going, we're going in here. This is not. This is not 101. This is like, I think this is like 301, 401. I love this conversation. It is deep. And I I always trust that it will land with where it needs to land. I think you're hitting the nail on the head in so many things here in the sense that we have to allow ourselves to make decisions that from the outside might look like what in the world are they thinking or what are they doing? But we also have to be in this deep knowing that I'm okay with making this decision at this time there, because I always believe that the decision I make today is based on every single piece of information that I have. In five minutes, I might have different information, but at this time, this is the information that I have. And so I'm going to make the best decision that I can for right now. I mean, I openly had this conversation with my kids as they got older. It's like, you know, I guarantee you I made mistakes. I 100% guarantee you I made mistakes in how I raised you or how I handled a difficult situation. And you didn't come with a manual. (laughs) And if you did, there was no manual for what we were living in. And I can honestly say in those moments, I did the absolute best that I could. And I think that's important because I have different information today than I, right? Like I have way different information today than I did five, 10 years ago. So my choice would be different, but is it fair to apply the standards of what I know today to me? Do you want to hear a great definition of guilt? Yes. Guilt is reassessing a past action according to updated values. Oh, so powerful. A guilt is a really crazy emotion, but that's such a powerful quote. Mm-hmm. Dr. Vic Bronco from the Morehouse. Yeah, he really lasers in on behavior and this is what's happening. It's like, that's guilt. But at the time, mm-hmm. at the time, that seemed like a fine thing to do. Like I once, um, I once stole... Uh, the sign from college at the front of the college, you know, got some friends. We went and we got a screwdriver and we we took the sign. I had a great time. Thought it was awesome. Did it twice. Um, and then years later, I'm driving past the college. Mm-hmm. Maybe 15 years later, I drive past. And every time I drove past, I had a twinge. Yeah. I had no. a twinge like. Didn't feel that good. Is not, that was just vandalism. And finally. Finally, finally, maybe a year after this, I um, called the college and said, can I speak to the current principal, please? And the you know, principal gets on the phone. I said, hi, I, I'm, a, I'm a past, I'm an alumni of the college, and I want to apologize because when I was at the college, I stole the college sign. In fact, I stole it twice, and I'm really sorry. It just seems like plain vandalism now, and I'm, how can I make it right? And he was like, who is this? <laughs> like, my name's David Wood. And he's like, and why are you calling? Like, when was this? I said it was about 15, 15, 18 years ago. He's like, why are you calling 
now? And I said, because at the time it seemed fun, but now I, I'm, a, I'm a coach and I try and live my life well and it seems out of integrity and it's wrong and I, I want to clean it up. Mm-hmm. How can I make it right? And he said, well, your timing's good because we just lost another of the damn things. <laughs> no. <laughs> and he told me how much they cost and I wrote him a check and um, and uh, and then and I had been banned from that college not because of the sign, they didn't know about that, but for, for other things at college and um, was not welcome there. And he sent me oh, two weeks later, a personal invitation to come and be at the opening of the new wing of the college. And that was such an honor for me. And it so happened that the prime minister of Australia, it was in his district and he was there opening it. And um, there was a line of like a hundred people to talk to him. I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm not going to bother with that. But, but he came over to speak to someone next to me who was a friend of mine who was working for him. And so he's just standing there. And then the principal saw it and came over and said, prime minister, this is an alumni of the college. I want to introduce you. Introduce me to the prime minister of Australia. I got to tell him what life coaching was. He didn't know. He'd never heard of it. Wow. So anyway, that's, What's my point there? My point is, if something feels off mm-hmm. um, and you're feeling guilt about something, I'm not yet aware of any mess that can't be cleaned up. It doesn't mean that the other person's going to say, hey, you're off the hook, no. but you can take right action to make amends in some way for any mess that you've ever made. Mm-hmm. And that's really good news. It sure is. Thank you for sharing that story with us. I mean, I think of how many years you carried that guilt and those emotions. And what does that do to us when we carry that for that long? And then all of a sudden, when you do, like you come and have this honest moment, look at what happens afterwards. It doesn't always mean it's going to write it, but it stops you from carrying it. And I think that's a big thing. Are you taking, I think that's where this came from. When you started talking about, you have to know what's right. You can't control what the universe does. No. You can control your half. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when I speak up about something, I know there's a chance the other person isn't going to agree mm-hmm. or they're not going to see my point of view, but I feel better knowing that I spoke up and I offered that point of view. Like, like my friend recently he said, we do not agree on this, but I feel so much better that I was heard. I offered my point of view. I've got his point of view. I'm listening. And so sometimes right action is just for you. When I get on a plane, I can't stand people bumping my seat mm-hmm. behind me. I, When I was a kid, I had kids pick on me from behind and I just, it's a horrendous. I got some trauma from it. Mm-hmm. So now when I get on the plane, before anything happens, I just turn around and say, hey, how you doing? Where are you heading? And I say, can I ask you a small favor? And they're like, uh, okay. <laughs> and I say, I don't fly well. I get stressed and I get anxious and I find that bumping the seat makes it worse. If you could just put a little extra attention on not bumping the seat, I'd be so grateful. And I understand sometimes you can't help it. Every single time, I've probably had that conversation 20, 30 times now, every single time it's gone well Mm -hmm. and the person's really tried. And when I do get bumped, I don't care because I spoke up. Mm -hmm. So there's something about, and, and in some circles, it's called dignity. It's you taking right action. The other person doesn't get on board doesn't matter as much. You did it for you. And it's, I think a great word for it too is integrity. Mm-hmm. Are you taking right action? And then the other person's going to do, I've got, uh, uh, I know I have to wrap up in a, in a couple of minutes. I've got a client who um, has a friend who's doing something that's painful to watch. You know, the, the relationship the friend is in seems to be abusive mm-hmm. and she just doesn't want to hear about it. It's just, it's painful. And so I was helping her discover right action for her and right action might look like a conversation about it and setting a boundary and saying, <laughs> look, I respect your choice to be in that relationship. I can't hear about it. Is it, is there, is it possible we could still be friends? Mm-hmm. And I would understand if you don't want to be friends with me, if I 
if I don't want to be around that, um, that's that might be right action for her. She can't control what the friend does. That's not her job. She can just be as kind as possible and put the oxygen mask on herself first mm -hmm. and then see what comes out of it. Uh, so yeah, right action. I'm glad we got into mm -hmm. that and integrity. So if I can ask you then, yeah. with this deep, deep, deep conversation that we've had for this last hour, how do you see your situation differently or how do you feel compared to an hour ago? I feel good. I feel, I, I, I got a feeling you and I should be in closer touch. Is, I think is so too. Saying. It is my self-interest. Right. But I feel really good. I love I get it's why I'm a coach. I get mm -hmm. so inspired by life and by seeing how things work and when things go off the rails and how the puzzle pieces go. And so it's so inspiring. I'm inspired by our conversation and I feel good in my body. My mood feels uplifted. I feel like everything's right with the world. And I'm gonna write down that what if. I didn't need approval because I think that's been driving things more than I thought. Mm -hmm. And then, but you asked that question in two ways. What was the first form of the question? How do I see it differently? Mm -hmm. I'll say how I see it. And I, you, you tell me if it's different. I don't know if it's, if it's different, but I, I see it that my actions had a negative impact. I feel truly sorry for that. Mm -hmm. I wish I could have a do-over, mm -hmm. and I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I have blind spots, and I feel um, clear that I would like to discover those and get better. I want to grow as a as a coach, mm -hmm. as a man, and as a person. I feel clear about that. And my ego does want to get it in the fucking way. And I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. Maybe we can beat You that. certainly are. But my ego definitely, and that was so cool to see it, mm -hmm. glimpse it, mm -hmm. getting in the way of, and, and the whole idea of like, just what if it's okay for people to think that and not have to manage that is such a, um, I've been a fan of that for 10 years but I'm getting up close and personal with it for myself as I go through this. So I feel some slight, some appreciation. This is a spiritual gene in me. Mm -hmm. feel some appreciation for this process. Mm -hmm. And at other times it's like, oh God, make it the fuck stop. You know, it's, <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. So I, I appreciate your honesty. I think that's the, the <laughs> piece of it. Listen, that's what makes you a great coach. Like the, I'm telling you right now from the people that I have come across with and cross paths with some of the best coaches out there have walked through so much challenges over and over. And that's what allows them to hold space for clients and help them on their journeys. And that's what I'm talking about. Is it, I, we don't need you to stop what you're doing because of an experience or what one person has said. I'm not saying it's, yeah, but we don't because then that stops you from doing what you're here to do, and that's not the ripple that we like. We want the ripple to keep going, and so this piece, this deep conversation, I think has served both of us. And I can say your energy is different than when you first came on, which I I love. You know how I feel about vulnerability and appreciate that you felt you know safe to share and have this deep conversation. I believe we need more and more men speaking and like living and experiencing the way that you just went through because, and are still going through because again, you give permission to so many others to do the same. This stuff is not easy. It's not easy, but it's also not easy to stop and do nothing and stay in one space. And like that's suffocating. So this path, not easy but will lead to change. Agreed. And and in this moment, I don't feel like it's about me having book sales because I get like, well, I, don't, I don't know, I get like $4 per book. So it's it's not um, about making a living for me. But if, if something resonated for you, listeners, and you're like, yeah, I want to go deeper into speaking my truth, 
and to uh, being more of me in the world, I spent two years writing a book. It's an easy read. It's about a hundred pages. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful cover. I'm gonna. You can probably hold it up. You, pr- you yep. probably won't see it because I got to. Oh no, you can. Yeah, yep, I can see it. I'll Love hold it. it up. It's called Mouse in the Room because we all know about the elephant mm-hmm. in the room. Everyone's talking about that. No one's talking about the mouse, which is your feelings and thoughts and sensations that you may not even know about. And it's about discovering yourself and then sharing yourself in an artful way with the world. It's amazing for parents, partners, leaders, teams, and humans in general. So I think I've covered all my bases there. Um, There's a free download too, if you want to just get the worksheet uh, on mouse naming at mouseintheroom.com. Look in the top left. It's not obvious, but top left is a free download for the worksheet and you can print off 20 of those. And whenever you've got something you want to name with someone, not sure how to do it. This is a really great roadmap. And if you want the book for like $12.95 on Amazon, it's on Kindle or print version. Um, I hope you read it and tell me, tell me what you got out of it. Oh, beautiful. Thank you for that. And I will make sure all of that information is in the show notes because I love, I love the work that you do, how you show up, how you share. And um, yeah, I know this isn't going to be our last conversation. I asked you last time really quickly, what lesson in life you're most grateful for. Do you know what your answer was? Cause I do. Your answer. I know know my answer is now. Tell me Um, what your answer is now. um, That everything's okay. Yeah. Is that what I said? That's exactly what you said. Wow. Exactly yeah. what you said. And if there was one I had to put that everything's okay. And when it seems like it doesn't, it's mm-hmm. actually still okay. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask that question again because I wanted you to hear your answer. Mm, thank you. And I want to offer my email address too. I almost never do this, but if someone wants to reach out to me, if I can help you in any way, david at mouseintheroom.com uh, currently is unfiltered and, and will come straight to me. And, um, I sometimes do miss emails. So if you, if you don't get a reply the first time, you're welcome to send a a reply again. And uh, I aim to reply to every person. Mm. Let me know if I can, I can help you. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. My great pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. If you love this episode, I invite you to tag me on social media with your takeaways or share it with a friend. Please, if you feel called, take 30 seconds to leave a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. Until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.